Welcome back to the Fight Site MMA podcast. Um, I don't know what what I missed in the last two weeks, but uh, the point is I'm back, and I am joined with my co-host as always, Shuram M. M. Durell. Fucking how do you say your last name? <laughs> M. Durellaron. What is it? It's M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> and Ed Gallo who very courteously limited his name to three syllables. Yeah. So I go ahead and introduce yourself, short, gentlemen. <laughs> short and simple. It's by motto. Yeah. yeah, it keeps it real easy for everybody. <laughs> um, we are here to discuss the upcoming pay-per-view UFC 253 on Saturday. Was it the 27th? Uh, yeah, Twenty six. Twenty six. Today is the twenty sixth, and it's okay. you know, six days from now. Therefore, um, yeah, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, so it, it is a decent card. I wouldn't say it's a particularly good one, but it has a great main event, um, which has been uh, very interesting for honestly probably over a year now uh, to discuss and. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Um, we also just had a fight card yesterday. Uh, Covington versus Woodley. Woodley very courageously uh, managed to buck the 15 rounds in a row of losing because he went out and got himself finished in the 15th round. So he actually managed to he, he managed to prove us all wrong in the fight side. We we're going to eat our words uh, for thinking it could just be another boring Woodley loss. But he went above and beyond <laughs> just despite us. Um, so we might spare a few words on that. Um, a few words on, on Kamzat Chemaev's knockout victory over Gerald Mearshart. If we have time, I guess we're sort of as with most of our podcasts we usually start with the big stuff and then as the as our timer runs down we tend to go more to stuff that doesn't matter as much um but we're gonna start at the top but before we do gentlemen how are we today i'm good i mean not much to say since everything's kind of stayed the same for the last six or seven months but uh yeah i mean the, the cards, so as to what Danny missed, we actually recorded two different podcasts with a couple of guests, and both of them turned out completely unpublishable for some reason or another. And it was it was funny in a way, because those cards had nothing to talk about, but it was also very sad. So actually, Danny has missed literally nothing, and we're all the better for it, because the podcast needs him. You see what happens when I take off for a short amount of time. Everything falls to pieces. Ed, what about you? All the, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good. The Eagles are playing today, and they're really bad, so, you know, that's always a good occasion. And uh, the fights last night, I watched most of them, and then the main event, I turned it off somewhere on the third round. I'm like, I don't need to watch the rest <laughs> of this. Uh, but then I missed the finish, even though I'm sure it was unremarkable as well. And the fight was terrible. And what a finish it was, both my bad. friend. <laughs> I still um, haven't seen yeah. it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, uh, he broke a rib, I think. He just, like, collapsed. Is... Um, I, th- I think he said that it popped early in the fight, and then he sort of tried to tried to work with it, but 
Colby kept kicking his body, and then I think in like some scramble, it was a little. It was like a little bit of the Poirier Pettis type thing. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, where it was just kind of one one transition on the ground, and then you could just see that he was he was done. Um, Dude, but tap? it's Tyron Woodley. Uh, I think it was a verbal tap. I know you're asking a lot. They of called it a TKO, which is weird, but it was it was a. I think it was technically a verbal tap. He was like trying for a guillotine and then just kind of fell back and started screaming. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it wasn't going any other way. So, like, you can't really say anything about it. But he did lose 15 straight rounds. If you count a round where you're finished, just losing a round. So, I'm, I'm going to uh, have to. I don't. I don't. I think he, he, he courageously uh, <laughs> managed to <laughs> manage to subvert that. Um, anyway. That's not why people are listening. Uh, they are listening because they presumably want our thoughts on next week's main event, which is Israel Adesanya, who I I posited on on Twitter yesterday, per, is on perhaps the best debut run we've ever seen in the UFC, or at least is sort of it's between him and McGregor, who's on a stronger on a stronger debut run uh, in the sport, basically going from zero, you know, zero to hero. Um. Versus Paulo Costa, who is also undefeated. Kind of rare that we're getting a, a champion versus, or you know, champion versus number one contender match in which they're both undefeated. So the UFC can probably promote their patented uh, "someone's O has got to go" that we all like so much. Um, and it's an interesting fight. It's a really good fight. Uh, they are in some ways. Very different fighters, but they match up interestingly. I think there's quite a lot of dynamics to hit on, and I don't think it is a. Uh, I, I think I speak for everyone when I say I'd be surprised if it turned out to be one sided. I think in most cases, you can look at this as a very evenly matched uh, title fight. So that's exciting. So, Ed, Ed Gallo, I'll start with our guests. What do you make of this fight? Well, there's, there's two different ways I'm perceiving this fight. There's the uh, how everyone is talking about it, then there's how I see it. And those are very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, on one hand, we're looking at Izzy as this, uh, you know, this brilliant outfighter. You know, he's very complex uh, and layered, using a Danny word. Um, what's the other one? Adroit? Is that how you say that? He's, he's very, yeah, very nice. Whatever that word is. Yeah, good Dimensional. He's dimensional. He has dimensions to his striking. Anyway, I'm getting a lot of, uh, I won't name names, but I'm getting a lot of, oh, he's just on next level, on another level, best striker in the sport. You know, no one can measure up to him. Like, that's not how matchups work. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on. Like, oh, uh, you know, Costa's a meathead brawler, which is like Dan Hardy said he's a power lifter. And uh, like, power lifting seems like a very specific sect of weightlifting. Like, have you watched his lifting videos? You know, he, he does power lifting because he's big. Like, that's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Anyway, so there's that, and that really annoys me. Uh, so part of me is, like, I just don't even want to think about it and just want Costa to win just so people can can learn something. But when I actually analyze the fight, I actually see it as a really tough fight for Paulo Costa. Uh, I feel like the two fights that I'm looking at for him to determine how he's going to do here are his last two fights, Uriah Hall and, and Yoel Romero. And I think a lot of people have pointed to the Hall fight as, a reason why why Izzy might win is because he had a lot of trouble pressuring him uh, for a while. And it was like, 
getting his hands tied up, you know, just like a reaching hand fight, and he's getting jabbed a lot, and just having a lot of trouble walking him down. Uh, and then there's the Romero fight, which doesn't tell you a whole lot of anything about how he's going to do versus Izzy, because uh, he well fought like 50 different ways in that fight. And the thing that worked the best was when he was hand fighting and jabbing. So it's <laughs> like just just in my brain, I'm like, yes, Izzy does a lot of hand fighting and jabbing. So uh, my my base reaction before I get into deeper details is like it's going to be hard for for Costa to walk him down. So already that makes it more complex. It's not like Izzy's going to have to completely rely on his defensive reactions against the cage or something. But yeah, he's super durable, super physical. So I think he'll be able to push through a lot of those situations and still get off his offense. So I think that's what makes it pretty compelling. Is that uh, even if Izzy does have the tools to to shut down a lot of his approaches, Costa's kind of a monster and he'll still make he'll still get work in and uh Izzy's gonna have to deal with it and survive and take some damage most likely I agree uh I think I'm kind of in the same place about where the public reaction lies with this fight I think it's uh Izzy is a super accurate b incredible in exchanges c a whole bunch of other stuff and I think most of that's completely true but I think the whole, you know, Dan Hardy, he's a power lifter as if uh, fucking Hafthor Bjornsson's showing up just to take over the sport. If he just showed <laughs> up, a, a random power lifter kills everyone in every division. Uh, that's just, like, Costa has a very specific, fairly narrow set of skills, but they're still very dangerous skills that feed into what he does well. And obviously his physicality. Like, that's you can't say Costa is not an immensely physical fighter, nor can you say that he doesn't use that a lot in the way that he fights. But it's... Pretty much every elite fighter is that way. They have to leverage some part of their physicality. So there's really no way to like fault Costa for it any more than you'd fault someone like Kamaru Usman or even Robert Whitaker or Max Holloway just in a different way. So I think Costa, he's a tough fight for Izzy in a way. I think in kind of a similar hand fighty way, he's going to uh, hand fight with Izzy. And he's a solid jabber in terms of backing guys up, even if he's not the dimensional adroit type. Um, I think... Costa's body wow. work is going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm using them very well in context, I think. Um, I think Costa's body work is going to be a pretty important part of this fight just because of how the Whitaker fight went for Adesanya in that uh, Whitaker, it was a problem that we had from like the very first round watching Whitaker is that he headhunted a lot. Uh, he wouldn't stick with what worked in terms of countering with the jab and even any sort of kicking game that probably would have done more to cut off Izzy's angle taking. But Costa, he's more likely to forced Izzy into the situations that he looked uncomfortable to be in in the Romero fight, which is just not being able to gauge a reaction and go in or being able to like get a guy out of position and go in or being just an even exchange, I think, is where Adesanya doesn't really want to be if he can help it. And he can certainly handle himself there. It's just not the kind of place where he's going to try to be. And Costa can make him uncomfortable in that way, even if he's not the best pocket boxer in terms of like, you know, actual defense. Uh, he's he's solid, but if he's going to out-athlete Adesanya on the inside, that could possibly work if Adesanya just doesn't want to be there. So, I mean, Costa's path in this fight is the same as any of other uh, Costa fight, which is, you know, cut him off with the body work, back him up, just go off in the clinch, or not in the clinch, go off in the pocket, and maybe turn into some clinch stuff if he wants to. But the clinch is a point of danger, I think, for Costa. But go off in the pocket until AC drops or is just too compromised to keep going. Uh, but, you know, cardio liabilities, uh, general brain thinking abilities, there are some obstacles here. So I'm actually a little disappointed um, and not in the fight necessarily itself, but I'm disappointed because 
We never got. I'm sort of the kickboxing fan here, so I'll just make a obscure reference real quick. But we never actually got a chance to see Archer Kaishenko versus Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, um, and that is that is disappointing to me because for those of you that don't know Archer Kaishenko, which I'm guessing is a fair bit of the audience, um, he would probably be the best analog for Apollo Costa in this way. Uh, He's an avid body puncher. He has a nice, like, leading straight right to the body where he opens up a lot of his combinations. He's freakishly tough. Um, he's, you know, he can hook with hookers. He knocked out Alex Pereira. Um, I think he's actually Alex Pereira's last loss, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, the reason I'm, I'm a little bummed out we never got to see that fight is because I think Archer Kaishenko would, would have been a very instructive fight for Adesanya. Like, I think that would have been a, a really, like, it would have resembled, he resembles Costa in enough ways that I think we could have seen, really had some questions answered about Izzy and kickboxing. Um, because, like, in a lot of ways, Costa is, he's, he's a lot like Kaishenko. He's just, you know, not as good. Um, it's not really, I'm not trying to slide on Costa. I just mean that Kaishenko is one of the best middleweight kickboxers ever. Um, and so that's, that is a little disappointing because the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh man, that would have been, I think that would have told us a lot. And I probably, you know, full disclosure, I probably would have favored Kaishenko over Adesanya in kickboxing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm favoring Costa over Adesanya. I, I feel like this is a pretty, it's a pretty good and bad fight for Adesanya. It's a bad fight in the sense that a committed pressure fighter who can try to herd him into, you know, hooks and, you know, kick his body and punch his body along the fence, who's really going to test his cage craft might be very challenging for Izzy in the early going. Um, on the other hand, Costa is so relentless in his pressure and he's he's doesn't really seem to have a ton of depth um i guess we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more in a in a bit but i think when exchanges start becoming more layered and it starts to become a battle of you know thinking ahead uh that might just give adesanya everything he needs on a platter to look phenomenal um so it's it's a great fight, uh, and I'm. I guess I'll sort of kick off the discussion by saying that, like, I think a lot of, a lot of what we might see from Adesanya, is largely dependent on on Costa because he's. When you have an undefeated fighter who's managed to play their game, as you know, hard and fast, and they haven't really had to make a lot of adjustments you know, up to a certain point, because Costa's still pretty young. He's only 12 fights into his career, or his pro career, at least. Uh, it can be hard to decipher whether or not you really need to make big changes. Um, sometimes lessons need to be learned, you know what I mean? Um, and with with Costa, I think the big thing that I'm that, that gives me pause is I don't know how well his game works in open space. Like, this is a pretty big point to hit on, but, like, uh, you know, ever since he debuted, Costa always had this reputation as a bit of a, like, a maybe, like, a bit of a more technical John Lineker fighter where he just pushes people back and just 
just crushes them with pure power and, and, you know, hitting the body and, you know, just relentless. Um, but as I went back and watched his fights, I was surprised to see that, you know, as much as he has a surprisingly stout shot selection and he can, you know, play with rhythm and things along the fence, he really doesn't play as much in open space. I, I still wonder how well he just does in neutral exchanges. And we can talk, you know, as Serum said, we can talk about neutral exchanges from Izzy's point of view in a bit. But, like, something that, that has always interested me is that both Adesanya and Costa are kind of tactile fighters in different ways. I think Costa, and Costa uses the cage as, like, a proximity mark for his own demolition zone. You know, when he has guys flattened out, he'll step in with committed punches. He's usually not fainting out a response you know, before, you know, ducking under a lead hook, he is, you know, he is hammering as much as he possibly can. Um, he, you know, he's just wailing on people. And again, there's more, there's more technique to it than it's sometimes, than Dan Hardy is clearly giving him credit for. Um, but it is like, it is interesting to see him go from like, Costa in the center of the cage, he's just trying to push you back. Costa with his opponent sort of halfway to the cage, He'll start throwing out that feeler jab, maybe some kicks. Costa with his opponent flat against the cage, he's going nuts. Um, and if there's one thing that I think Adesanya is going to be incredibly diligently prepared for in this fight, it's likely going to be preventing himself from being pressed up against the fence at all costs. Um, so I think that's a decent place to start. What are you guys? What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. Um, some of Izzy's habits that he might have to, you know, actively fight against because uh, he's been really counter happy in a couple of his fights. He really likes to lean back and uh, <clears throat> maybe maybe not exactly pull counters, but you know, make people miss linearly and fire back straight or a check hook. So he's pretty happy to to go after that over and over and over again. That's not a good way to uh, keep yourself from moving backwards because you know that's that's what it is uh, so i think he'll have to at least early on maybe in the first couple rounds not do that <laughs> and uh, you know frame off and and you know create create barriers so he can circle out because cost is not uh as good of a cage cutter until you're really close to the cage like you said in open space he doesn't start to like let loose with the like with this kicking game uh which is a pretty good way to keep people stuck in place he doesn't really do that until he knows exactly where you're going to be or if you're going to be circling or not uh, something I noticed from the Romero fight is that after the first round, Yoel started not conceding space because Costa wasn't really pressuring him as much as Yoel was actively walking himself back. He kind of would lead himself a little bit, um, which is awful to see. Uh, but yeah, after the first round, he, he kind of switched up his approach and was holding his ground a little bit and just framing off with his elbows uh, and, and you know pressing on the triceps and the biceps and trying not the triceps, tri pressing on his biceps and trying to keep him from. Uh, you know, being able to wind up on his hooks and get him off. And Costa was still able to punch, but, I mean, it wasn't nearly as effective, and you can kind of direct from there. And I think a, a more schooled clinch fighter, in, in a striking sense, like Izzy would know how to uh, create, you know, create angles off of that, uh, you know, move his feet, circle him off. Uh, the UFC is actually, like, diving a little deeper into, like, breakdowns. Like, actual technique I saw uh, on the card last night, Cruz uh, didn't add for... Uh, is he hitting a little foot sweep off of uh, you know bicep ties like that? So I think he definitely has shown the ability to do stuff like that before. And I think it'll be necessary in the beginning just so he doesn't end up on the cage because that's 
You're right. That, that's, that's where Costa really thrives, and Izzy's counter game isn't really built to do a lot of damage there. I think he can you know, block pretty well, but you don't want to play that game where you're trying to avoid damage uh, while the guy's just throwing heat at you and going nuts. So, yeah, I think he's going to have to fight a little differently than he normally does. I don't think Izzy's normal game. Like, if he does exactly what he did against Kelvin or something like that, or even Whitaker, really, I, I think that's a worse idea than doing something else. That's my initial read on yeah, I mean, I th- I'm kind of in the same place. I think there's good stuff to look at from the Whitaker fight, and there's bad stuff, uh, at least specifically for Costa. I don't think there's anything objectively bad in the Whitaker fight, or else Whitaker would have seen it because he's a very good fighter. But the way that Adesanya fought for Whitaker, I think, one, is that there weren't as many of the backstep encounters that Ed mentioned that there were against Gastelum against Whitaker, who was a lot more keen to angle off the first shot rather than just step straight back and uh, blast him with a straight which is good because both Whitaker's more of a blitzer and that worked. And the kind of angling off is very good for Ringcraft if Costa's just trying to push him linearly backwards. Izzy can, even instead of just hitting a counter and taking advantage of the um, angle in the pocket, he can just step off on another direction. And no one's ever done that to Costa because he hasn't really faced good ring generals other than like Romero on the front foot, but that was Romero on the back foot, so like not quite. Um, and the problem there is the the big lean back. The big lean back being Izzy's uh, defensive. I wouldn't say like his primary defensive option, but one of his defensive options. He's a very good hand fighter. He's good with frames and stuff. But when a guy just comes straight at him and blitzes him, he likes that big lean back. He did against Romero a couple times too. And Costa being such an avid body hitter, uh, that that's gonna be pretty tough unless Costa just fights against type and does it incredibly badly. So. Yeah, Gastelum is not the path, the kind of backstepping, just because Gastelum had some success pushing Izzy back, even if he wasn't able to do anything with, like, getting him halfway to the cage the way Costa would be. But a lot of that was just Izzy stepping straight back and trying to blast him on the front foot. Uh, Costa's going to be a bit more measured and not get himself out of position, just blitzing that way. But Whitaker has some uh, some solid spots of hope for Adesanya and for Costa. That's what makes it such an interesting fight, is that uh, both of them have some interesting habits in with respect to each other. So I think in talking about Adesanya, um, something that is is important to know or a distinction that I think needs to be made is that Adesanya against Whitaker and Gastelum, like those are la- Whitaker and Gastelum are largely like two springy punchers who kind of need to collapse distance, a, you know, a fairly large amount of distance to get in range. I think. Obviously, Whitaker's sort of karate blitz, as it's labeled, um, is is a more calculated one, or you know, or, or at least was a more calculated one. Um, and I think Kelvin is, has gotten much more comfortable just sort of with his, you know, lone step in. But they still need to sort of, there's still a level of commitment to all of their, uh, all of their entries, and that's generally why Adesanya could break their line of attack and take angles on them so easily and why he could lean back, you know, taking an angle on them, resetting his foot position and then, you know, countering their, you know, their overcommitment. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a good indicator of what we'll see from Paulo Costa because Costa tends to close down people with his feet under him. Um, he's, like I said, he's a much more concerted pressure fighter in that way. I don't think he's going to be I don't think Cost is going to be like leaping over himself to to punch 
Adesanya in the face. I think he's a lot more likely to to work his way into range with his feet under him and then try to force those more neutral engagements. Um, so that's like that's something to consider. I think the honestly the best the best and most um, applicable parallel for Costa is probably Adesanya's fight with Jason Wilness. Because that was in kickboxing, because that was the last time I saw Adesanya play like a committed outside game against a concerted pressure fighter and ring cutter. Um, and Wilness did something that we, you know, a sort of strategy that we might see uh, from from Costa, which is basically the understanding that he's probably the more powerful puncher or kicker shot for shot. And so he could. You know, he could endure some, you know, three or four punches, you know, shots from Adesanya if it was to land one clean leg kick or like one clean shot to the body um, or, you know, one clean left hook upstairs. Uh, Now, this is can be debated whether this is a smart strategy, but I I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it could be a it, it is a likely strategy where I think. You know, if Adesanya is really trying to load Costa with volume and he really wants to play off his feints and his jab, um, obviously getting his kicking game going from the outside, um, there's a good chance that we might see Costa, you know, we, we generally talk about, let me let me try to approach this from another way. We generally talk about, like, fighters taking away an opponent's weapons by either, like, punishing them for it or making them miss enough times that they second-guess themselves and... It's a pretty normal pattern when you study fighting. Like, you know, we saw Tyron Woodley yesterday. You can only miss your right hand so many times or land it on the glove or a shoulder so many times before you just stop throwing it because it's not working. Costa is the rare kind of fighter who will continue to use his weapons even during or after he's been punished for them. Like, it's kind of a... I think it's a combination of being courageous, obstinate, and possibly stupid. Just sort of incessantly pursuing, you know, a weapon in your arsenal, even if conventional wisdom states that there should be a point at which that fighter just chucks in an effective tool. Like, the the shocking thing about that sort of third round between Romero and Costa is that Romero... You know, Romero kept jabbing him when Costa would try to throw. Like, Romero would do a better job of drawing Costa's shots out and then sort of, you know, marking his face up with the jab or the blitz. But Costa never stopped trying to throw those weapons. He didn't take, like, okay, when I throw my left hook as a counter, it's missing and I'm getting hit in the face for it. As, like, okay, I should stop throwing my left hook. He takes it as, well, it's the cost of doing business. I'll keep trying to throw my left hook. Um... And again, I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because having a fighter who can soldier through, you know, adversity and still trying to make their weapons work, even if they're getting hit three or four times in response, is necessarily a good thing for a fighter's longevity. Um, And I don't know if that's a good thing against Adesanya specifically, who is extremely good at keying in on an opponent's weapon and taking it away over time um like it is a potentially suicidal habit is what i'm trying to say um i don't know that's there's just something i noticed that's sort of been in the back of my mind is like not only not only sort of you know their styles but like who are these people 
you know, in terms of fighters and cost is the cost is the guy who will keep trying to kick you in the body, even if it's, you know, a stance prevents the kick from landing clean. Like even if he's being punished for attempting a, a counter, even if he's over committing on a right hand to the body from outside and he's getting check hooked, he won't stop trying those things. So is that a good thing or a bad thing, Ed? Uh, it's a good thing, actually. Because if he gets discouraged, he's just going to be not doing his A game. And it's always better to do your A game, even if it's damaging, than to get away from the thing that could actually win you the fight. Even if it's stupid, <laughs> which is uh, one of the funniest parts in the Romero fight for me, is where uh, <clears throat> Yoel actually starts doing things to punish him when he walks in. And like he starts to walk in, Yoel jabs him, he backs up, and the, the distance resets. And just like the same exact timing, the same exact distance, like three or four times in a row, he walks forward, gets hit with something, and then backs off, and then just walks into him again, just bounces off of him like three or four times. And like, you didn't change anything. Like, not your, your timing, not your defense, like nothing. And Yoel just kept hitting him, uh, and he didn't do anything different. He just kept walking him down. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's a weird guy. I don't totally understand him. I just feel like we haven't seen him against enough uh, elite-ish operators. Like, we've seen him against one, and that's the weirdest person you could possibly be measured against. Like, how can I draw conclusions from your fight with Yoel? But he should do what he does. Um, he's going to get hit a bunch. It's, it's, he's going to look stupid a bunch of times. But that doesn't mean he's necessarily losing his long game. Uh I don't really see him as much of a round winner here, although I think uh, they could end up in some weird smothering situations where uh, neither of them are really getting much done. I think it might be an ugly, ugly start to this fight before uh, you know that the actual action picks up. Um, I don't think it'll be an uneventful fight, but I think it could be a lot less uh, clean to watch as some people might expect. Like a lot of strikes are landing, it might be a lot of uh, collisions and you know weird stifling and. And all that jazz, but yeah, he he should to answer your question. He should do what he does and and be himself. And I think it's Izzy who has to make a couple of adjustments here. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think it's pretty much consensus that the deeper this fight goes, that is in terms of like layers of exchanges, that it's going to be rougher for Costa in terms of you know Adesanya is going to figure out the kinds of things that he does. But on the other hand, I don't think Costa is necessarily the kind where. Izzy's going to have a chance to put all those layers together. And that if you look at, for example, the Hall fight, the Hall fight was incredibly ugly from Costa's perspective. Like, it's hard to deny that. But also, it's something that uh, our friend Lukash pointed out, that Hall also couldn't really build off the jab in a way that you generally expect a fighter to. And that doesn't go completely to Adesanya, who's better at pretty much everything Hall does, especially in that fight. But Costa just kind of smashing himself into guys over and over again, that is his game. And I think... It could lead to an ugly late fight, but early it's going to be rough for Adesanya if he can't, you know, just figure him out, like, from the jump. Because if Costa takes a hit, he's not going to assume that Adesanya just knows what to do at that point. At that point, It's just, you know, I'm going to do my thing. And if Adesanya, like, stumbles onto something, it's not going to be Costa stopping in the first round. It's going, Adesanya's going to have to actually figure stuff out down the stretch. And that's a window that Costa definitely has, in my opinion. And the matchup is rough enough for Adesanya that... It's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a rough fight for Adesanya early either way, win or lose. And after that, it's anyone's guess. Costa's the one with the window, but he's also the one who can make this look easier than it will be. 
Um, I think this is again, this is a little bit tangential analysis, but I want to say it. Um, is that Costa comes from the same camp as Cejudo, and I think there's a lot of a lot of questions that we had about Cejudo. Um, that Cejudo actually very deftly managed to deflect are pertinent here. Um, in particular, it is one of depth, where I really don't know how deep the well goes for Costa. Um, like I said, a lot of his punch entries tend to be the same. I don't really think he's that comfortable in neutral exchanges. His defense is uh, not very good. Um, I think he, he's just a fighter who leverages his offense. Um, to get, you know, for his defense. I think he likes people who are scared of him. Um, I don't know how well that works against someone with, like, a needling jab or someone who can actually, like, fire a right hand behind it, someone who can kick with him from the outside. Um, like, he, the thing with Costa is that he runs into a lot of the same issues in his fights. Nothing has really shown me that he's, like, a big adapter. He's just sort of a push-harder type fighter. Um, and... I, I, I question that because it, it is, you know, this is Adesanya who he's fighting. This is someone who can, like, if if Adesanya starts landing his jab as easily as Uriah Hall started landing his jab, I have a lot more faith in Adesanya to, you know, to punch off his kicks in layering exchanges. I have a lot more faith in Adesanya to put a right hand to the body behind it or, you know, to angle off moving backward and then, you know, try for a, like, like a body kick before, you know, taking another angle off the fence. Like, Uriah Hall couldn't build much off Costa, but that's partly because it's Uriah Hall. And Uriah Hall doesn't really build anything. Um... And it's also notable to me that, like, Hall knocked Costa down with, like, a backstepping, hurting left hook into right hook as soon as Costa punched into range. Like, you know, Costa got his stance squared up with Hall along the fence. Um, he, like, you know, tried to punch into range, and it was this sort of, like, soft left hook into stronger right hook, uh, the hurting shot, that actually knocked Costa down moving forward. Like, that is... That is... Adesanya shit. Like, that is exactly what Izzy does. And Romero did the same thing against Costa. Like, Costa committed hard on a straight right, and Romero basically tried to, like, check hook and then laced him with the right hand on entry. I know everybody always remembers, like, Romero pointing in another direction, being like, look over there. But it was actually, like... It was actually Costa really committing I think you know really feeling like he had Romero hurt committing on a right hand and then it was that same exact like left hook hurting shot into right hand that put him down like I just I can't really see why that wouldn't work against Costa um those you know those opportunities are there um and I don't think while Izzy may not be like a massive puncher he is extraordinarily accurate and good at finding like small openings and turning those, you know, putting people in very compromising positions before, you know, before putting them out and Costa puts himself in compromised positions, like willingly, like it, it's sort of like, he sort of takes that as like part of the risk of, of his style is like, well, 
you know, I'm going right into the danger zone. I'm not going to bother feeling people out. Like, like that's just sort of, you know, that's just kind of what he does. Um, and that's, again, that can be both a good thing when you're fighting very timid opponents like, you know, a pretty old Johnny Hendricks or uh, Bang Boosts, however you say his name. Um, but I don't know how well that works against someone who's expecting those types of exchanges and is actually working, you know, forcing you to work for them. Um, I agree that I think his, I think Costa's window early is probably like, to me, that does seem like the, the optimal way that he should try to try to fight Adesanya is sort of go as hard as he can early before Adesanya can start to, you know, get his timing down. Because Costa's timing is pretty predictable. I imagine it's going to be very predictable over five rounds. Um, so that's, I would say, you know, in terms of probability, Costa going going as hard as he can very early on is, is probably the, the best thing that he can do. And I think that there are elements of Adesanya's game that could, you know, could give Costa opportunities. Is like, you know, if he is... If he is going to try to just like lean back behind, you know, to, to evade shots, like, you know, leaning way off his, his rear hip, uh, then there shouldn't be anything stopping from Costa, like, you know, throwing a shot away and then, you know, a sort of a straight right to the body in those scenarios. Like that's seems absolutely like the a right way to the right way to approach it. Um, but Costa as a kicker is like he's. Adesanya can go either stance. I think he can probably close off some of the, you know, some of Costa's really hard body kicks. Um, he's a good counter kicker. Uh, like he's, he's not an easy, you know, as we saw against Whitaker, like the times that Whitaker tried to kick with Adesanya, Adesanya could easily retract his leg and then sort of counter with his own kicks. I think that should probably be something he's looking for. Um, so there's a lot of like, there, there's a lot of nuance to this fight and it, maybe it seems a little like, I don't mean to to dumb it down, but like I, it, so much of this sort of comes down to like how much does you know how well can Costa actually hang in open space, and if he can hang there fairly well, can he actually reliably either hurt Adesanya bad enough to finish him or seriously make you know seriously limit Adesanya's weapons? in a way that will allow him to win over five rounds. And I think he can do it. Um, but I don't know... Again, I just I don't know how much of a thinker Paulo Costa is. Like, And, and I think there's going to be a point at which this fight... It, it, you know, it, there will be a point at which that, like, that level of commitment and that kind of, you know, willingness to soldier on... Like I, there, there's got to be a ceiling on that at some point in the division, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not Adesanya, maybe it's someone else, maybe it's Chimaev for all we know, maybe it's Whitaker. I'm not sure, but God, I hope not. <laughs> um, but if you, there is a, I don't know. To me, this is like, although Costa and Adesanya are both undefeated, we've seen Adesanya lose in kickboxing and we've seen him struggle at times in the UFC and 
but what we have seen is him also making some very concerted, decided steps forward in the times that he struggled. Um, he is a fighter who genuinely does seem to, like, he really does try his best to learn from his mistakes. And Costa, I, I don't know if Costa's learned that lesson yet. Um, and so I guess it's time, I guess it's time to do picks. Um, cause we've been talking about this for, I'm looking at it like 40 minutes. Um, so I'm going to, I'll, I'll go to Ed and say, what is your, what's your final pick for this one going to be? I think I know, but I'm curious. Yeah. I'm picking Izzy, uh, either late finish or, or by decision, not super confident, but that, that's what I see. Uh, I'll be the contrarian here since I kind of have a feeling what Danny's going to pick. And it's a completely justifiable pick. But I think, I kind of feel like this is a 50-50 fight or, you know, like 51-49 either direction. I think I'll go with Costa just because of my general trepidation in picking guys to, like, come back from bad beatings. And that's kind of what I see. As I said, win or lose, I kind of see the first couple rounds being immensely difficult for Adesanya when he needs the reads and when Costa is just kind of a, a stupid Terminator. I mean, I don't mean to demean Costa when I say that, but that is kind of the case with him. And it could, as we mentioned, turn out to benefit him in the early stages. Uh, I'm kind of, I don't feel great about picking Costa, but I don't feel very good about picking him to not do the sort of damage that he'd need to, especially when it's A, body damage, and B, he's just such a thunderous hitter. Uh, it, it feels simplistic, and I guess it feels a little contrarian because that's what I said at the beginning. But uh, I think I'll, I'll go with Costa here just on uh, on faith. Sometimes you have to pick on faith, and that never works, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Um, like, I'm, I think I'm kind of torn, and, like, I, I, I do, like, I do want to re- reemphasize that I think this is, like, I think this is a really close fight, and I don't think there's not only I wouldn't be surprised if either guy won it, but I also wouldn't really be surprised at any outcome. Um, you know, if Costa gets an early finish, that wouldn't surprise me. If if Adesanya got an early finish, I wouldn't be surprised either. The way that the way that Adesanya can actually, you know, I mean, the reads that Adesanya got on Whitaker were so like insanely quick that it was like it was sort of shocking how fast Adesanya just seemed to completely figure Whitaker out um and you know again Costa commits a lot and it's that kind of commitment that can really put you in bad positions against uh snipers who are able to you know take angles on you and find you when you're when you're really committing on a on a shot heavy and you don't you don't realize that they've already taken an angle on you and moved off um so neither like an early finish from either guy wouldn't shock me if costa nets an early lead and then adesanya has to sort of like make up a lot of ground and ends up losing a decision i wouldn't be surprised then again costa faded so badly against romero like it also i also can't be surprised if like you know if that happened like if if costa just implodes in the middle of the third round and Adesanya is still there and still forcing him to work, still kicking his body. All right. I think if what I'm asking Adesanya to do is to be conscious with, you know, his cage craft, 
avoid being pinned along the fence. He may spend some time along the fence, but avoid being just pinned on the fence. And if he can, you know, he can draw Costa onto big shots in neutral space. You know, can he can he do that long enough to either stifle some of Costa's confidence or, you know, exhaust him, force him to work harder than he's comfortable? I think he can do it. So I'm going to I think I'm going to go with Adesanya by decision. I think I think this is a real like this is going to be a real like uh like prove yourself moment for for Adesanya, which seems it seems strange to ask ask that. Um, considering what he's done in the UFC thus far, but this seems like a real, like a real moment of of reckoning for him as a champion. Um, kind of a real referendum on like you know how good can he actually be. Uh, and for Costa, I think it's you know I think a lot of his a lot of his mindset is probably just like do what works until you can't anymore and. While I think that is a certainly a fantastic approach in a division like light heavyweight, which I think Costa would just dominate if he were to move up, um, I think against someone like Adesanya, that might not be as beneficial as it sounds. Uh, but it's close. There's a, there's a real chance that we get like a classic out of this fight. It could be really it could be really special. So we've talked for almost you know almost a full hour on this main event. Uh, thankfully, there's not really a lot else that we need to we need to discuss before we uh, call it a day. Do we spare a few words on Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blachowicz? I think we should. Ed, what do you got? Uh, I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts about it, but let's just say that Blachowicz is pretty good in the pocket for a light heavyweight and has some range tools and isn't totally good at making people play into those strengths besides being decently defensively competent. And that works against like people who can't move out of ranges <laughs> very well, like uh, Luke Rockhold, uh, who has been doinked a-, a few times, having issues getting in and out of the the pocket. Dominic Reyes is like probably the best mover, you know, at 205 and up. Uh, definitely knows how to get in and out pretty easily. Uh, can do well on the back foot, but I don't think Blahovitz is going to put him on the back foot. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he, uh, I mean, he's so long, he can probably not have to control entries that much to, to be able to strike with uh, Blahovitz. And uh, yeah, if they grapple, I feel uh, if, they're, if they're clinching a lot, it, it could be some some good time for. Uh, Reyes, because he's probably working to plug up some uh, some holes there with his grappling. Because I mean, that's really one of the only areas for improvement he could obviously see from the Jones fight. But I'm picking him. Uh, he, he's defending his light heavyweight title in my eyes. Uh, it, but I kind of I don't know. It's weird. I like Jan, and I like what he does to people. And Reyes' weird body annoys me. But uh, that whole uh, hanging man in the forest thing really creeped me out. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to see more of that. So I think Reyes needs to uh, to make him go away for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Reyes too. Uh, different reasons. I think I like Jan as well. I think he's a surprisingly competent light heavyweight, and that's very surprising given how he used to look. Um, he's you know a jabber for 
one, which is a thing that light heavyweights don't have. He puts kicks on the end of combinations. He's turned into a kind of a sneaky clinch break sort of fighter. He was uh, he did that to uh, Luke Rockhold, and he did that a bunch to Corey Anderson in like their two minute fight, which was surprising. He like left hooked him on the break like three times in that fight. But I think he's one of the more counterpunchable fighters in the sport with the way that he does anything that isn't a jab. He breaks stance and runs forward. Uh, the Tiago Santos fight was act the finish was actually super gross from Jan because he was like dragging one of his feet behind him. Uh, like, he didn't even know how to break stance properly, which was uh, pretty disgusting. Uh, Reyes is probably the only light heavyweight at this point, other than Jan Blachowicz himself, who's competent on the counter. Um, he knocked uh, Cannoneer out with an uppercut on the counter off a shoulder roll, which is super nice. Um, he's a generally powerful puncher. I think Jan Blachowicz is going to be throwing himself into too many bad positions to win this fight in terms of just doing anything that isn't a jab. And jabbing is going to be tough when he's facing a huge southpaw. I understand that this is kind of the same rationale I used to pick uh, Luke Rockholt over Jan Blachowicz. His big southpaw is going to kick him a lot, has a counter. But Reyes is also young. He's bigger. He's From what I've seen at this stage of his career, he's more uh, consistent. He's less fragile. It's it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight for Jan, and I hope he gets it done. I, I like Jan more, honestly, because he's the kind of quirky light heavyweight that I think light heavyweight deserves, rather than like a genuinely competent light heavyweight, because light heavyweight does not deserve that. But uh, it, it's going to be Reyes, I think. Um, Yeah, I'll be completely honest. I didn't watch any tape or make any notes on this. I'm just going off the cuff. But I think That's that Reyes that. being... Yeah, this is honestly, how else are we supposed to do our jobs here? I think that Reyes, being a southpaw, might make it hard for Blahovich to get his jab going. That's my analysis. So I'm going to pick Reyes. Um, nice. It would, be, it would be very funny. It would be very funny if Jan won. Like it would be, it would actually be hilarious because it would be kind of another, like making the point even clearer that like, yeah, that's, that's how good this division actually is. You know, someone who beat John Jones and then gets knocked out by like a 37 year old, you know, striker boxer with a, with a decent jab. Like that's, that's all it takes to really do well in this division. But I think that, yeah, in terms of momentum, in terms of you know, stances, and I mean, Reyes is just kind of probably just a cleaner fighter. He can probably keep a pace better than Blahovich at this point, um, over five rounds. And yeah, like I said, I don't, I thought he was very unfortunate in that uh, Jones decision, but he really does, he, Reyes really does look like the apex of what a solid fighter at light heavyweight can be. So good for him. Um, is there much else on this card? I mean, there's a. F- I feel like there's a few fighters to look out for. I think Hakim Duwadu versus Zubaira Tukagov is a is a fun featherweight fight. Um, I don't really have any analysis about it. It's just, but that should be fun. Um, Kai Kara France against Brandon Royval is a flyweight fight, which you should absolutely see. Uh, Brad Riddell, one of the up and coming. Uh, lightweight prospects who the fight site is very much in support of um, part of the uh, what the hell is their team Adesanya's team city kickboxing city there kickboxing <laughs> city kickboxing guy Brad Riddell um, who was a outstanding uh, welterweight kickboxer and looks like he might have the chops to be an outstanding 
uh, MMA lightweight as well. So is there, I mean, do you guys have anything else you really want to bring yeah. up? We could talk about some stuff last week. I don't, I don't know. There's a, another fight on this card, another city kickboxing guy, Shane Young. He's not as uh, as polished as some of the other city kickboxing guys, but he's pretty fun. He's got some solid competency and power, and uh, he's pretty intense. I like him a lot. And uh, the guy he's fighting, uh, Ludovic Klein, uh, our, our homie Polite Vulture, uh, who makes the uh, like the animated videos, uh, sent me some highlights and uh, showed me who that guy was. And he's he's pretty exciting. Uh, definitely a good uh, kick combination fighter, and you know knocks people out, and, and also seems pretty intense. So I think that might end up being like either a crazy war or someone gets hurt really badly early. So that could be an awesome fight, and just another city kickboxing guy that might be on on the rise and end up being pretty good. I think he wasn't city kickboxing, and then it, it it's one way or the other. It's either that he wasn't city kickboxing, and then he fought Volkanovski, and they brought him on, or Volkanovski was just tiger muay thai and then he fought shane young and then the city kickboxing coaches scouted volkanovsky from that fight but something about that fight that got one of them there but anyway shane young's been improving i really like him he's been gone for a while uh he's back now and uh yeah he's a good good time so i'm looking forward to that one as well that sounds fun uh the only other big spot of attention on this is diego sanchez versus jake matthews yeah. so i think we're i think we're done with this such current. an awesome fight as we saw Diego Sanchez. Oh, I was just gonna say, outside of the main event, most of this card seems to just be, yeah, we like this guy. Like, you should watch this fight fight for for this guy. (laughs) It's yeah, exactly. It's not like a, ooh, this is a great matchup. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Zarbik Tukagov is fighting. He's fun. Brad Riddell. Ooh, we like Brad Riddell. Let's watch him. The main event is the only one on this card that really feels like a. A, a thrilling yeah. matchup for both sides. Mm-hmm. You guys agree? Yeah, just wait until next week, though, for Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. That's that's a, a showstopper. Come oh, event, a, Charles Jordan, which is uh, yes. Why is that not the main Ooh. event? <laughs> Actually, that's well, that's well, we can talk about Charles Jordan. That's good. Um, seriously, do we have anything else? Uh, I mean, is there's there... some stuff from last week, but not a ton of stuff because it's a Woodley fight weekend. Kamzat Chimayev had a big knockout. That's true. Looks like he could be something. I don't want to make sure I'm talking about that. <laughs> I had no hope for that fight. I had no hope. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean here's, here's one, like, gosh, a point that I've been thinking about. Do we, want to, do we want to Chimayev to stay at 185, or should he go back to 170? He should, uh, he should part-time both divisions to just keep bouncing back Ooh. and forth, because, like, well, yeah, Cal- if he can and then, like, if, yeah. if he, like, gets really confident about 185, then we'll be like, oh, yeah, go up to heavyweight. And then he'll fight Francis Ngannou, which is what I want to happen to most fighters that I don't care for. So uh, I think the more time he spends at 185, the more interest he'll have in jumping up to heavyweight to fight Francis Ngannou. So that's my logic there. I mean, I think uh, this is something that Danny mentioned earlier, but I think 170 has a couple tougher matchups at the top than 185 does. 185 has Whitaker, who's kind of just the the exact opposite of everything Shemayev wants out of an opponent. But uh, 170 has Usman and Covington and Leon Edwards, um, who are all fairly tough for control wrestlers who want to kind of bully their guy around. Um, and 185 is just generally a lot shallower. I mean, he's going to skip the line of 170 in a way that Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal and Zaleski Dos Santos never got the opportunity to uh, because he is him. 
but 185, it's if it's possible, even easier to get up to the top because uh, it has zero prospects other than him. So uh, I say 185 is probably better for him, both from a health perspective and from a competition perspective. And Robert Whitaker, he's probably done soon. Winner loses against Cannoneer. It's unfortunate, but that's probably the case. So it's there's a good chance it ends up being Adesanya versus Shemaev at some point. And if Shemaev keeps improving and looking the way he is, as much as I don't care for him, that's a compelling fight. So um, more compelling, I'd argue, than an Usman fight. So there are, I think there's some reason for him to stay at 185. Yeah, um, I think he should stay at 185 because he's like 6'2 and he's enormous. Um, I mean, I guess it's up to him. There's there's a picture of him like next to Jimmy Manoa, and he doesn't look that much smaller than Jimmy Manoa, and Manoa was an enormous light heavyweight. Um, honestly, there's a chance with Chimaev. Chimaev's only 26. There's a chance that if he really keeps growing, he might he might end up a light heavyweight someday. Um you know, it's up to him. I mean, until maybe when he's young, he feels like he can kind of bounce around and wait. Um, maybe he feels like it's a little more his his speed to do what he wants. But, um, you know, eventually he'll probably settle into being a middleweight at some point. I agree. I think Whitaker is really the one like the one fight we can look at and be like, yeah, that's that's a bad night for him. Um, but, but the, you know, that's that's one matchup. And it's not like he's gonna. It's not like he's gonna jump from Gerald Mearshart to, you know, to Robert Whitaker. That's that's way too much. You sure. Um, you never know. That's true. <laughs> Dana really seems to like him. Um, so I don't know. Him. Like I guess I guess I guess we'll see. Um, but I don't really. This still like, he has not had any ounce of, uh, real, resistance. real adversity. Yeah, resistance. <laughs> thank you. He's not had any resistance so far. Um, and so I'm sort of still measured about like how high his ceiling is, but he's done everything in his power to show that he's the real deal. And that's, you know, that is great. Good for him. Um, honestly, like if they really wanted to move him up, I don't want to see him fight Damian Maya, but like maybe after Gilbert Burns presumably loses to Kamara Usman, a fight, you know, Chimaya versus Burns would be an interesting fight at 170. Because you know Burns is you know more powerful and more polished, um, and he's also had some difficulty with control wrestlers. So <clears throat> the options are there. I'm not super like I can't say I'm really a Chimaev fan or not a Chimaev fan. I just I just need to see more from him. But uh, like I said, he's he's done everything in his power to to show that he's the real deal. And uh, you know a 17 second knockout in a division he's never fought in before does not say anything bad about his prospects in the future um do we have anything coming out this week ed are you working on anything i don't know what i'm gonna do this week but i'm gonna write something about wrestling in an mma context i haven't decided what Ooh, but uh, there's a shock. I mean, the, the fight site is gonna have a ton of stuff out i mean aiden has uh an adesanya article about ringcraft um we have our staff picks coming out. We probably have other things coming out. I don't know what they are, but they'll be coming out. Uh, <laughs> Sharon's probably doing something. He usually does things on fight week. Maybe. I mean... He arranged the, the staff picks. That's that's a lot of work. So <laughs> I created the document. I mean, I'm, yes. I started a Costa thing, but it's also just like not even a thing right now. So if I can 
actually do the normal hustly thing that I do right before a deadline. It might be coming out. It also might not be if there are a bunch of things, so don't hold me to it. Um, uh, there's the little vetting video series that aged super well last time, kind of, oh, yeah. with the exception of Meteor Shark. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can't win them all. A bet against the Contender Series people always works. But uh, I'll probably be doing one of those again and for the foreseeable future uh, because those are easy and I don't actually have to do a ton for them. Um, and I'm thinking about writing about the um, ACA fight that happened last time, which we didn't really touch upon. Oh, yeah. uh, Abdulaziz Abdulvakabov defeated Alexander Sarnaski in a. Uh, it's a genuinely brilliant fight. It might be my paper fight of the year. As soon as um, ACA comes out with the video, I'll, I'll be able to make a better decision about that because there's some stiff competition this year. But it was terrific, and uh, I think it's it's worth a deeper look. Um, I don't really have anything coming out. Um. I have uh, I have one piece that I am slowly working on. <clears throat> it is a tribute to the kickboxer Mark DeBont, which we will probably run on the day that he passed. Very sadly passed away in November, um, but that's still uh, it's still like two months out. Um, I don't really have anything that has really piqued my interest to write about. Maybe maybe if this weekend turns out to be really good, um, there'll be something worth writing about in the main event. Um, I've already written about Brad Riddell, but I'm excited to watch him fight again. Um, yeah, not a lot. What's the what's coming on? So there's Irene Aldana versus Holm, which we're all so excited for. But is there anything else on that card that we care about? I'm trying to look. This is what I mean when I say that our, like our podcast. Is that that card? Oh, it was. Yeah, that got canceled. I see. Uh, I mean, Darius might really. still get an opponent on it. Roman Roman Kapilov is somebody that Ryan has said is cool, so I don't know if that's true or not, but possibly. Uh, Lona Lakuni is from... fighting. It's kind We're of not it. too far away from Marais Sandhagen, which is which is fun. That's a terrific um, one. That'll be worth talking about. Um, ooh, Carlos Condit versus Court McGee. Now that's a wow. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe maybe next week Sherm and I will have to like dig into either the questions that we need to answer or we'll try to find like some concept to, to talk about um outside of the main event, which we'll definitely cover. So uh I think that does it. Thank you guys for listening to the Fight Site MMA podcast. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Gallo MMA. Edward Gallo MMA. Got right. it. Um <laughs> you can follow Sherm on Twitter. I'm not I'm gonna no, I got this one. Sherm M says, right? I've done that one before. God, two weeks and you, yep, just, you just lose it all. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dmarty77. You can check out all of our work at thefightsite.com. Go check out Ed's work on Bloody Elbow as well. Um, if you like this podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe. Ooh, I'm a real YouTuber now. Um, join our patre- Patreon, and uh, that helps support us very much so you can keep getting more awesome fight content. Um more to come. Thank you for the support. What am I missing? Uh, Hyperfly. 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 Yeah, that's right. We're promoters, too. Uh, go to Hyperfly for all your uh, jujitsu gear needs. Um, and you can also buy Fight Sight gear now. We have shirts and wife beaters and, or, sorry, tank tops <laughs> and sweatshirts and mugs and a whole bunch of other stuff that I am not going to buy because... <laughs> Why would I buy? Why would I buy stuff that uh, for a site that I write for? That seems silly. To um, represent. 
And it's That's awesome. right, to represent. Very awesome. Um, yeah, I'll get right on that. To promote. We also, uh, oh, we were partnered with uh, Bovada. So if you're a degenerate gambler and you sign up through our link, you get a $250 <laughs> credit, which is pretty awesome. So you can spend lots of money on betting on MMA, which is a very cool thing to do. Um, and we get money if you do that. And uh, yeah, so win-win. Do it. Bet, all, bet the house Please. on Court McGee. <laughs> yeah, bet that, yeah, seriously. What are the odds on that fight? Let me take a look. I, you, should, you know what? We can do this when we shut out the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Okay. Carl.